Want to get the edge with your Premier League betting predictions? Pinnacle have teamed up with InfoGoal to delve deeper into the data for all the Premier League matches each game week. You combine betting market data with InfoGoal's performance data to try and find Pinnacle customers' value in the odds. This is EPL Insights. We are back. And the good news, neither one of us have lost our job over the course of the international window. That's a good thing. Uh, this is EPL Insights with our data provided by InfoGoal. Gareth Wheeler, Jake Osgathorpe with you. Looking ahead to game week, match week 29 in the Premier League with all the information, analyzation, prognostication, no consternation. Well, maybe a little bit, some some of that from time to time. But overall, this has been a successful podcast in trying to provide the, the information required for you to go out and play some winners on Pinnacle over the course of the weekend in the Premier League. Jake Conti's out. Actually, after we recorded the last podcast, Patrick Vieira w- was out at Crystal Palace as well. But both you and I are back in. How was your international window? Lovely and quiet. Lovely and quiet. I um yeah, I really I don't like watching too much international football outside of major tournaments. Um I just feel like there's so many uncompetitive matches um to to kind of view on. So I I watch as little of it as possible. Um so yeah, it was a nice feet up kind of relaxing reset, real you know, charge the batteries. Um yeah, just just get ready for the the, the final push in what is gonna be a mental last 10 games. I am a reactive better for the international window because I like to see what happens, um, what, what some of the teams look like, because things can change so quickly in international football. And the one, my, my favorite player to the international window, Croatia end up dropping points, giving away a last minute goal to Wales. It was completely against the run of play. They went then went to Turkey and were on plus money, good plus money to go out and win that game. And, I, I hammered that and 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 came away with it with a nice little profit there. So you don't dabble whatsoever in the international window. I don't get involved. Not not now. Maybe it's towards the end of qualifiers where there's a lot more on the line and you can dip into card markets and stuff like that. Where you can you, good referee appointments as you know it's win or go home. Effectively, you know there's going to be loads of cards and whatever. But I just find there's too much of a um, yeah, especially following um, England. There's there's too much of a, just a, a gulf between us and everyone else. I mean, we had two competitive-ish games this time around. I watched the back end of the Italy match, but um, yeah, I didn't even turn on for the Ukraine game. So yeah, I, I tend to listen keep my to the, Listen to yeah. the snobbery right there. It's so much better than everyone. Spain said the same thing and they went up to Scotland and got battered by Scotland. Yeah, but did you see the Spain team? Let's I couldn't believe that. T- like I was actually, because it was the same day as Wales played Latvia and, and Croatia, Turkey. And I looked at that. I'm like, this can't be right. This can't be yeah. Spain's first team. And I was going to make a play, but I was like, can I really back Scotland to beat Spain here? Uh, I should have. I ended up staying away, but it was tempting to say the least. So just um, we'll we'll see if sanity prevails here coming out of the international window. What do you make of these windows? Because, you know, the World Cup has thrown everything way off kilter this season coming out of an international window. um, Is it cliche to say that it comes with more unexpected variables than going week to week? Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. You've got obviously injuries to that take into account these questionable um, key players. You know, Haaland's been, been one. I think he got injured before the break, but still he's, you know, we don't know what kind of his situation he's going to be in. You also got the factor rest because in teams like Man United, West Ham, have been playing pretty much relentlessly since the, uh, since the World Cup and they've actually had a little bit of break time. Um, I know some of the players will have gone away and played international football, but it's particularly West Ham, not as many as as you, you know you would have expected. So um, there's that kind of thing to factor in that p- things will be a bit fresher. Um, but yeah, it, it, other than that, it, it really is a case of just pick up where you left off. Really, um, make sure you follow team news. Make sure you keep an eye on uh, any players that are going to be missing. But you know, it, it doesn't really change my opinion too much on teams. Just having a break. Um, if anything, you know, it, it kind of 
consolidates and gives me chance to actually have a, a proper look and really nail down where I see the teams at the moment. So that's what I've been doing over the last two weeks. Yeah, we come out of the international window and it's a great game week this week. It, it really is. There's some top, top games. City, Liverpool, uh, you know, Arsenal, can they keep it going? The pressure's on, even though they have that eight-point gap atop the table. Uh, Newcastle United against Manchester United. Uh, Brighton-Brentford, a game that hipsters like us are going to be right into <laughs> this weekend. And some big uh, tilts at the bottom of the table as well. West Ham, Southampton, 18 v 19. And that's where we want to start off with this podcast. We'll break it all down with our feature five and go rapid fire as well. But never mind to top the table. Right now, what's going on in the relegation battle? It's something else. As between 12th place Crystal Palace and 20th place Southampton, only four points separate all those teams. So we decided to go through the futures market on Pinnacle. And Jake's going to share a thought of each and every one of these teams who are right in the relegation battle here. So do you want to start from the bottom or do you want to start from the top of the pack here? Which way do you want to go through this? And Jake will just share some a thought on each and every one of these sides. Yeah, well, I think we go top down if we start off at Crystal Palace and, and make our way down to Southampton. Okay, so a lot of teams tw- to cover. <laughs> yes, yeah, so twelfth place Crystal Palace are on twenty seven points. The odds for relegation on Pinnacle is at plus five fifty. Yes, yeah, so obviously managerial change, which we have to factor in. But the irony is that Crystal Palace, from a data perspective, are in exactly the same place as where they were when Roy Hodgson left the club two and a half years ago in the sense that they're ranked as the third worst team currently. So he effectively takes over exactly where he left off from an underlying data perspective. Um, their schedule is, on paper, the best in the, of the relegation candidates because they play everyone below them. Now, I say on paper because, you know, you lose a couple of those, they're big six-pointers, and all of a sudden it looks like a really tough um, uh, schedule. So one to keep in mind... Crystal Palace, that that from a data perspective, if they carry on the way they have been, which seems likely given what we saw from Roy Hodgson when he was last in charge, then, you know, they might get dragged even further into it. Wolves are in 13th, plus 350 um, to be relegated on Pinnacle as well. They're they're level in terms of games played on 28 with Crystal Palace. Yeah, since Julian Lopetegui's t- taken over, results have improved, but the underlying data has got worse, which is worrying. Um, their expected goal difference per game is down around about um, 0.1 of a goal. So there's, there's you know, reason to be concerned for Wolves' p- perspective. I mean, the only positive really is the quality that they have in the squad and that if they do put it all together, they will pull clear because they do have, in my opinion, one of the better squads, one of the better starting 11s of the teams down there. But the yeah, the data trend's not positive at all. Leeds United are 14th, 26 points through 27 games played. They're at plus 300. Yeah, I still, I'm not on the Leeds back bandwagon. The Leeds are safe. Seven points from 12 is it's a good return, but performances have been poor in that time. They've been really fortunate. Uh, I've conceded two expected goals in both matches, uh, the last two against Brighton and Wolves. And any team that concedes two expected goals against Wolves um, is on my radar as a bad team. So, yeah, uh, it's not a good recipe at the moment. And if they continue to perform at the same level, they will, well, they could very easily go down. Everton's also on 26 points. They're in 15th place. They played one more game than Leeds United. Uh, on Pinnacle, they're at plus 150. Yeah, Everton are probably one of the teams I'm sweetest on um, in terms of survival, just purely because they're creating chances. Um, that's some something that not all the teams down there are doing right now. In fact, only seven teams have created more expected goals four per game um, than Everton since Sean Dyche took over. So they are definitely creating enough to fire themselves to safety. They do need to tighten up at the back if they pick up points consistently. But um, yeah, the, every other team is on the decline from a data standpoint and Everton are on the up. We're at the halfway point of teams fighting for survival. <laughs> 16th place Nottingham Forest. They're on 26 points through 27 games as well. They check in at Plus 100, just two other sides with shorter odds. Yeah, they're, they're definitely um, a team that are sinking right now. They steadied the ship and they are sinking again. Started poorly, re- recovered quite well, um, and defensively they looked solid. But the last six matches before the break were alarming, to say the least. I mean, they were second best in all of them. They conceded an average of nearly 2.4 expected goals against per game. Uh, and that really isn't a very good sign as we come down the home stretch. 
Uh, they have a goal differential of minus 27. Only Bournemouth is worse in that category. Leicester City, they come in at 17th place around 25 points through 27 games. Plus 450. <clears throat> Only Crystal Palace of the relegation teams have longer odds as of right now. Yeah, so Leicester are kind of the opposite of Leeds. Leeds picked up results. Performances weren't very good. Leicester, before the break, the performances were good and they were unlucky not to pick up more points. Um, they created the better chances against Chelsea, better chances against Southampton, um, and the better chances away at Brentford, which was a bit of a statement performance, I thought. Um, we're very sweet on Brentford when they play at home, but Leicester went there, limited Brentford very well and created good chances. So um, inconsistency is a problem. But over the course of the season, they have ranked 14th best. So I, you know, the, the, this data would suggest that they will pull clear and survive. The biggest surprise of the bunch is 18th place West Ham United. They are on 24 points, but they've just played 26 games, two in hand on the likes of Palace and Wolves ahead of them. They come in at plus 400. Yeah, they're, they're a baffling team, West Ham. They've ranked top half according to all the data metrics. Expected goal difference is positive. Which kind of suggests that if they maintain that current level, um, results will take a turn for the better. However, they have a tough schedule, arguably the toughest of all the relegation candidates, and they've got European commitments and a couple of extra games in the league to play. So they're going to have a, a stacked schedule, a tough schedule, and that could really negate all the positive um, underlying data that we're seeing. So little bit concerned about West Ham. Um, I think it all really depends on this weekend as to what kind of foot footing they can get themselves on before um, a tougher schedule appears. Bournemouth is also on 24 points. They're in 19th place. They have played 27 games at Pinnacle, minus 175 to be relegated. Uh, yeah, Bournemouth were showing signs of life. You know, they, they'd picked up and uh, obviously beat Liverpool, but performances against City and Arsenal were both very good. They created... Plenty of chances in both, but absolutely hammered at Villa. So a little bit tough to assess. But the only the only thing we can you know really pin our hat on is that the Cherries, they have been the worst defensive team in the league this season. Um, they're conceding the most amount of chances on a per-game basis. And that is not very good when it comes to trying to survive. So yeah, that that really is is huge alarm bells. If they don't tighten up, they will be going down. And bottom of the bunch, it's Southampton on 23 points through 28 games played. Minus 226 on Pinnacle to be relegated. 23 goals scored, but minus 23 in goal differential. They're in real trouble. Yeah, they're they're in serious trouble. Um, And Ruben Sellers is trying to steer them to safety with what we'd call low margin football. So create very few chances, concede very few chances and hope that looks with you and that you get a 1-0 win. Um, that's not a sustainable way of playing. It's not a sustainable way of picking up results on a on a week to week basis. Um, and ultimately, unless they start creating more chances, they're going to go down because they've been one of the worst teams in the league in terms of expected goals four per game since he took charge. So, um, yeah, they they need to really start playing more on the front foot. So well done, Jake. There you go. The rundown of the contenders. Do you want to call them contenders or more like pretenders in the Premier League who may be more likely to go down than the rest? And of course, a lot of the sentiment will have to do with what plays out this weekend with some critical ties that we'll get to in just a few moments time. But for our feature five this week, let's start right atop the table and the first game of the weekend. And it should be a good one, Jake. Well, it traditionally is as Manchester City takes on Liverpool. Uh, City coming off a 1-0 win against Crystal Palace way back on March 11th. That was their last Premier League game. Same thing goes for Liverpool as well. A 1-0 loss at Bournemouth on that same day. City have caught fire once again, six wins in a row in all competitions. They haven't lost in their last 10, no goals conceded in five, and they've been the first to score what a recipe for success in their last 10 straight games. 11-1-1 at home and a plus 21.1 expected goal differential according to InfoGoal. Phil Foden out, he had appendicitis, Erling Holland, a concern. We're not sure his status of the weekend, dealing with a bit of a groin injury. Liverpool coming off that disappointing loss. Looks like they were building some momentum. Also lost to Real Madrid 1-0 in a game, let's be honest, they weren't coming back in that uh, Champions League tie anyways. Liverpool played to under the total of two and a half in four of their last five games. 
it's worthwhile to make a note here. They have a difficult week ahead. City, then they're away to Chelsea on Tuesday. Then they're, they play Arsenal at home next week as well. Three, three, and seven away from home overall. 13 goals scored, 20 conceded. They only have the 13th best away record. That's not good. Uh, um, and their last away games, like I said, they lost at Bournemouth and drew at Crystal Palace. Head-to-head, City beat Liverpool 3-2 in the EFL Cup. Uh, but Liverpool did win at home in the Premier League. A most Salah goal gave them a 1-0 victory. Uh, in, in that game, the XG uh, was in Liverpool's favor as well, 2.44 to just 1.14 in that game. City haven't picked up a clean sheet in eight against Liverpool. They played to over the total of two and a half in six of seven in this head-to-head matchup. And both teams to score has played in seven of their last eight. So, I mean, it's a it's a pressure game for Man City. They're eight points back of Arsenal. They do have a game at hand. But as the games start running away from them, this, you know, file this away as a must win, you know, in the must win category for Manchester City, an important one for potential European football for Liverpool as well. So what do you make of this tie this weekend? It's a big one for both sides. It is a big one, but um, I, I just get the feeling this has been priced up more on historic precedent than how two teams are playing right now, because I don't think Liverpool are anywhere near the levels that the prices are suggesting. Um, I think there's a bigger gulf. So I'm I'm back in Manchester City with the the handicap, which is at minus one at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and that number's actually moved. It was minus, uh, what was it? Minus, it, it, it was odds on minus 191, I think, for uh, that City minus one. It's now plus 106. And I think that's just because of the, the news that's coming out that Haaland's not involved in training um, today, which I think broke about an hour ago. So we're seeing a move against City just purely based on Haaland not participating in training. Um, I not, doesn't really change my opinion too much, to be honest. I mean, not because Haaland's not good, because we know he is, but at the end of the day, this is a, a hella deep squad that you can bring in Julian Alvarez, who you know won the World Cup with Argentina, who played down the middle. They could go back to the false nine if they wanted to. Play De Bruyne in there. Um, so yeah, I just see this as a massive, uh, a, a big mismatch. I know Liverpool, they've got some players back fit. Pinate, obviously, Thiago's coming back as well. Luis Diaz might be fit as well. But that away record is abysmal. I mean, 3 3 and 7 is just shocking for a team that, you know, missed out on the title by a point last season to be losing seven games away from home so far is, is ridiculously bad. And, and the, you know the the issue, the main issue is defensively. Whenever they travel, they seem to concede an absolute bucket load of chances. One point nine expected goals against per away game, which is your third worst in the league. You know you've got relegation candidates that are tighter at the back when they go travelling. So um, that's a huge huge concern, especially against a Man City side that are absolutely rampant when they play at the Etihad. Two point five expected goals for per game, three point three goals per game. So not only are they rampant, but they're also very efficient. Um, and they've, they've consistently outscored um, the expected goals when playing at home. 6-0 and 7-0 as well recently in two different competitions. Um, and like you said, they're, they're 11-1-1. One one. This bet would have won in 10 of those 11 victories. So they've, you know, they've, they've covered the handicap in 10 of those 11 with a one push in there. Um, that includes home game against Manchester United, home game against Tottenham. So, uh, you know, even if you want to include away matches, you know, clipped at the Emirates as well not so long ago. So City are more than capable of scoring two, three, four goals here. And, and you know, the, the the minus one Asian handicap effectively means that if they win by a goal, we get our money back. If they win by two clear goals, we get a winner. And I'm more than happy to take that because I I really struggle to see Liverpool going there and getting a victory or or at least a point. There's a bit of a golf here, and and that price that you know really pleased to see it move because that plus 106 is a lot more appetizing than what it was previously. I was going to say, so that's your play right now. What's your recommendation to the listener, uh, in terms of potentially waiting out to see if Holland's going to play? Like, is there inherent risk reward here? What what, what do you make of this? Because you've already said that it wouldn't change the way that you approach this game, whether or what whether Holland is available to play or not. Yeah, I, I can't see this number getting any bigger, to be honest. Um, I think if you get to 
game time and Haaland's in and he's in the 11, then it's going to be odds on this number. It's going to, it's going to shorten quite drastically because that's where the line originally was set when everyone thought he was going to be playing. So, um, yeah, I, I if Haaland doesn't play, I still will be taking this bet. Um, I, like I said, I don't, I just think that City have got so many weapons um, in those forward areas that they'll be able to hurt Liverpool in different ways. Um, and Liverpool have, have just not shown me enough, basically, to to want to trust them in any kind of shape or form away from home. So, um, yeah, I mean, this is the same team that lost to Bournemouth last time out. Come on. You know, this they're now travelling to play the best home team in the league. Um, and we're effectively back in City just to win, to get our money back and win by two goals. Yeah, that'll dig for me. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'll be quick. I think there's, I, like you, I think there's a massive gap in, in quality between these two teams. I know historically Liverpool's done really well against Manchester City. And based upon some of that precedent, is going to lead into what my play is. I'm going to go both teams to score plus a winner. You scroll down on Pinnacle on this game, both teams to score plus a winner. Uh, I'm going to say yes and Manchester City to win, and that plays at plus 242. So I'm going fishing for a bigger number here, but I think that it, it can play. City has been anything but assured over the course of the season defensively. I think that they'd be much better over the course of recent weeks, but there's no sure thing. I think that there are goals in this game, even if it's if, if it's a late consolation um, marker for Liverpool. So both teams to score and winner. Uh, for Manchester City, I just think the better team's going to win this. I do think there's goals in this game, uh, much like the EFL Cup game was played. Um, and so I'll get a little bit more greedy, just stay away from that line and hope that an outright win, 2-1 would suit me fine uh, to come away with a with a good margin for victory and a nice little profit here. So, um, yeah, that's going to be my play for this one. Yeah, no complaints here. I, I did, did cross my mind to take that um, just because... You know, everything you've said there, that City aren't exactly tight at the back and Liverpool have the firepower. Um, but yeah, I, I just thought the slightly safer play was just to take the handicap yep. just in case. So, and it um, reflects and we're, in both, the, we're both on a similar line, right? And it reflects in the numbers provided. Uh, again, City, no clean sheets against Liverpool in eight. They've gone over the total of two and a half and six of seven in this head-to-head, and both teams to score are played in seven of eight. And I like City in this game, which kind of leads me to the conclusion that it's worth a little bit more of a punt here. A little bit of a reach, but certainly I'll be on Man City one way or another this weekend, and that play has already been locked in. Uh, let's move it to top of the table. Arsenal on 69 points, an eight-point lead entering the weekend. They have played one more game than Man City. However, they take on Leeds United. Uh, last time out, Arsenal, a convincing 4-1 victory over Crystal Palace, although the XG was much closer in that game, 1.43 to 1.32, according to InfoGoal. Arsenal played to over Two and a half in five of their last six, both teams to score in four or five and first to score. They have done so in six of seven. Arsenal are excellent at the Emirates, 11, two and one on the season. The only complications this weekend come through injury and they've been the most consistent team in the Premier League all season long in terms of not rotating, playing a regular 11. Well, Saliba limped off in, uh, on international duty. And Kedia, he looks to be out this weekend. Tomiyasu's, he's out for the season. And Thomas Party missed a Ghana game uh, against Angola with a small injury. He did train on Thursday, and we're still waiting to see whether he will be fully fit or whether he's worth the risk this weekend. As for Leeds United, they're in 14th after a 4-2 away win at Wolves. The XG in that game, though, a little bit deceiving, 2.93 to 1.32. They did earn a point before that game against Brighton as well. So good back-to-back results for Leeds United. They are two points above the drop and just three points above 20th place Southampton. They haven't picked up a clean sheet in four. They played the under two and a half total in five of seven. And they've been the first to concede in five of seven. Two, three, and nine away. But 17 goals away is actually the ninth most. And the XG reflects that as well. So they do create chances away from home. Injury problems for them as well. Nanto, Wolber, they're both out this weekend, as is Tyler Adams. Those are three key players for Leeds United, all going to be out this weekend. Head down to Arsenal 1-0. 
but it was a 2.35 to just a 0.86 XG in terms of being in Leeds United's favor for that game. Arsenal beat Leeds five times in a row, haven't lost in 12. Arsenal being first to score against Leeds in five of five, and Leeds obviously no clean sheet in their last five games. So Arsenal is a significant favorite, but it's the injuries that kind of stick out when you're looking at this game. Do they factor into the way that you're approaching this one? Um, they do, but I'd argue that Leeds' um, injured players are more important than Arsenal's injured players to each individual side. Um, just purely because the backup's better that Arsenal can bring in. I'm not saying Rob Holden's like a will-beater, but you know, he'll do at centre-half. You've got Jorginho that can come in in midfield if um, you know, party's not not available. Uh, and then obviously the flip side, that lead, you, you're missing Notto is one of the better young players in the league. Verbers looked really good in recent weeks. Um, worked with quite a lot of uh, Leeds fans and they've been very impressed with him. And obviously Tyler Adams has been like a mainstay in that side for the whole season. So yeah, I, I, it, if anything, it, it hurts Leeds more than it hurts Arsenal. Um, and yeah, I'm hugely surprised that the number's not moved. Um, when I did my notes yesterday, Arsenal minus one and a half on the handicap it was minus 116. It's exactly the same. And that's after this injury news has been confirmed. So, um, yeah, I'm more than happy to take that. I think that's a cracking bet. I really, it's probably my favorite bet of the week. Mm. Um, I met, I touched on it earlier the fact that I'm not buying into Leeds at the moment. Um, they've conceded 1.8 expected goals against per game in four matches under Javi Gracia. Um, 0.96 expected goals for per game. So they're not creating it as much as what they were under Jesse Marsh. Um, and yeah, ultimately, yeah, this is the toughest game as you're going to get, really. Um, Arsenal, excellent at home all season. The process is fantastic. 2.3 expected goals for, 1.15 against. They've won 11 of 14, but importantly, they've actually won 6 of 6 when hosting the relegation candidates. Um, and they've covered the 1.5, minus 1.5 line in 5 of those 6. So this bet basically has a you know a 5 out of 6 strike rate so far. Um, and it just just highlights that Arsenal are turning into serious, you know, content. I know the contenders, but this is the kind of thing that proper you know teams that go on to win the title they do. They beat the lesser teams quite handily. Um, they don't mess around with them. They don't give them the chance to uh, hang around. They put them to bed, like we saw with Crystal Palace last time out, where it was one nil, two nil, three nil, four nil. Right, that's game over. Um, the only one that hasn't, or the only team that went to the Emirates and covered, was actually Bournemouth, and they went two nil up. Um, very early on, didn't they? And, and Arsenal did very well to recover. So uh, apart from that, apart from that Bournemouth game, they've battered every other relegation team that they've welcomed. So um, I've got no problems in backing Arsenal to, to cover. I think this is a massive game, massive game for um, for Arsenal because, you know, like Manchester City could well have made a real statement early on uh, and Arsenal have to hit back. So, yeah, it, these are the kind of games that they, they're expected to win. They have to win. Uh, and I think they will win. I'm, I'm I'm very confident about the chances. Yeah, I'm not making a bet in this game. <laughs> There's just something about it that screams potentially that Bournemouth type game where I don't think this is going to be easy on Arsenal. I, I I know that they lose Nanto, Rodrigo's back in the team, Sinistera's back into the team back-to-back good results against Leeds United played Arsenal well last time look there's no doubt like Arsenal's the better team here but I'm just not comfortable laying money with them to win by multiple goals you you document it very well they've done it this season but the one time that they did not was the last time they played a team like this other than Crystal Palace at home who just changed their manager you kind of tore up the team sheet after, or, you know, our, our, our plays last week that we, that we were kind of mentioning after Arsenal came off that, that one, one or being knocked out of the Europa league against sporting. So I, I'm, there's just something about this game. I'm, I'm not quite that keen about it's the one game I don't have a play for this weekend. So I'm just going to leave it alone, Jake, just not going to touch it whatsoever. If party doesn't play, they're a different team without party. They never change their center back partnership. That means that they could maybe concede a cheap goal. The totals at three. I just, there's nothing that stands out for me that I want to wager, make a play in this game. So I'll just watch on and see if Arsenal can keep this thing going. They've been so impressive. Let's see if they can finish the job here. So the only, the only other play that that sprung to my mind was both teams to score, which is at minus 109, very backable number. Um, I've got the score line at 3 1. To Arsenal, so that would obviously see the both teams scoreline and the 
handicap. So again, it might be another Arsenal win and both teams to score, similar to to what you propose in the City game. Yeah. Um, just given everything that we've said about potential injuries, uh, absences, and you know, Arsenal don't keep many clean sheets at the Emirates. No, they've uh, they, they've started to concede goals. They and New, uh, Arsenal and Newcastle were so good. Um, defensively for long stretchers, and both have started to give a few back over recent weeks. So we'll see what that plays out this weekend. Um, let's call the, this the EPL Insights Game of the Week because two sweetheart teams that both Jake and I have backed all season long, uh, they meet one another. They're level on points with 42. It is seventh place Brentford against eighth place, or sorry, Seventh place Brighton taking on eighth place Brentford. I was getting ahead of myself here. The killer bees doing battle. It's it's Brighton uh, coming into this one with a one nil victory over Crystal Palace last last time out. Um, that was on March fifteenth before smashing Groomsby Town in the FA Cup. Now they have a date at Wembley straight ahead against Manchester United for a chance to win a trophy this year. And it's hard to say that they don't deserve um, that kind of thing because they've had an excellent season despite a managerial change in the middle of it all and losing one of their best players in Leandro Trossard to Arsenal. They're undefeated in their last five in all competitions. Brighton are the first to score in their last five games as well. Good home record, 7-2-4 and four at home. 12.2 expected goal differential according to InfoGoal at home is the fifth best in the league. 22 goals scored, 11 against. Brentford coming off a rare disappointing result at home. A 1-1 draw with Leicester City and just a .62 XG in that game. Uh, Brentford won two of their last six games overall in the Premier League. So there's been a little bit of a wobble as of late. They played to under the two and a half total in five of their last six. Just three, six and four away from home. 15 goals scored, 20 against. But their expected goal differential is positive at 0.9. Yenalt is out with a knee injury. Head to head this season. And Ivan Tony Brace gave Brentford a 2-0 victory at home. The XG was big in that game for both teams, 1.81 to 2.03. Although these two sides have played to the under, the total of 2.5 in five of their last six. Really good game in the cards here. Um, what do you make of this battle between the Bs? Uh, this, is, this is one of the tougher games to assess, uh, I think, for the this weekend. Just because... <clears throat> Like we we like both teams, we respect both teams. Uh, I think Brighton are too short to back at this price. <clears throat> I think Brentford want a bit more respect in the market, but I don't have as as much confidence in or enough confidence to pull the trigger on a Brentford um, Brentford handicap bet. So um, I'm actually just going to give this a watching brief. Just leave mm-hmm. it alone. If I was to lean, it would be towards maybe a Brighton winning over two and a half goals or something like that as a combo, but. Yeah, I'm I'm happy to leave it alone. There's, yeah, this could go either way. I really think it could because I think Brentford set up um, very well against Brighton. Yeah. I think it's a good matchup for them. So, yeah, this is one of the games I don't have a bet for. About yourself, do you have anything? That's me too. Uh, I, I just that last thing you said. I think that it it sets up well for Brentford playing a team like Brighton. Brentford's superior in terms of their organization, have a true difference maker in attack. And Tony, I really like this Brighton side. They're going to test Brentford. I think this game potentially has draw written all over it. But if you're going to give me the out that Brentford can maybe sneak one, sneak a win like Fulham did when they played at Brighton, 1-0 a few weeks back, Brighton created a lot of chances. Brentford's goalkeeper, Ray, is excellent. Um, I like Brentford on the handicap and I'm going to go to the Asian handicap. I'm going to buy it down to plus half a goal. So a Brentford win or a draw at plus one thirty. that's another big number, a big plus number. Cause I fully believe this could go either way. A draw is probably the, the most reasonable end result between two teams that I think are very evenly matched. So give me some, you know, pretty substantial plus number um, with Brentford on the handicap. I'm going to take that. And um, I'm not sure, uh, you know, based on what you said, I'm 100% confident in this play because I really rate Brighton, but I think it's worth the risk at a number like that. Yeah, yeah. I don't blame you. I I think that that's that's probably where the value is, is getting Brentford on side. Um, Because I don't think there's, you know... There's not not as much between these teams as what the prices indicate at the moment. No. So 
Um, yeah, yeah that, that'd be the way I'm leaning, but no bet for me. No official uh, play. Just sit back and enjoy T- two teams. I, they're not even punching above their weight because I think that both have been great. And I'm hoping that some way, somehow, both are playing European football uh, come the end of the season. Uh, let's move things straight ahead. It is 10th place Chelsea against 11th place Aston Villa. This is the line right here. Underneath them, it drops off to the relegation fight. So for these two, this is really their last push towards potentially playing European football. They are within, you know, touching distance to a certain degree of Liverpool, Brighton and Brentford, who are all on 42 points. But they need to go out. Both these teams need to go out and win this weekend. So the carrot really is being dangled. For Chelsea, a disappointing 2-2 draw with Everton snapped a modest three-match winning streak before that. However, Chelsea have scored two or more goals in their last three games, which can be seen as progress. Although the team still has played to under the two-and-a-half goal total in eight of their last ten games, but they've been first to score in four of their last five. Six, four, and three at home are Chelsea. At Stamford Bridge, I mean, it's still just the 10th best home record. 16 goals scored and 10 against. Only United, uh, Newcastle, and Liverpool have conceded fewer at home. Uh, Havertz came back from international duty a little bit early with the flu. Reese James has his recurring hamstring in- injury. N'Golo Conte is close to coming back. Mason Mount's close. Uh, Raheem Sterling's close with a hamstring. Um, the goalkeeper Mendy's back in training. Aspel Equate is close. It's just not definitive how fit any of these players actually are or will be entering this weekend. The only one we really know is Thiago Silva remains out for a little bit of a period of time still. Should be back by the end of the month. Uh, month of April, that is. Uh, Aston Villa uh, coming off a 3-0 victory against Bournemouth, but it's been a good little run for them. Three wins in a row, or three wins in a draw, I should say, in their last four games, and three clean sheets over that span. And they've been the first to score in all five of their, or in each and every one of their last five games. Overall, Villa 4-3-6 and six away from home, just 12 goals scored, 20 conceded. They're minus 9.9 expected goal differential uh, isn't very good. And they're bottom five in terms of their away expected goals. But they've scored in each and every one of their last six games away from home and are 4-1-1 one and one and over that span. And their only away loss in their last six was to Manchester City. Head-to-head, uh, Chelsea won 2-0 back in October. Mason Mount scored a brace in that game. Big XG for both teams, 2.65 to 1.38. Um, what do you make of this game? Chelsea, so many questions in terms of who's going to play and where. And Villa started to develop a little bit of consistency leading into the international break. Yeah, I give Villa a, a really good chance of getting a result in this game. Um, if you look at their performances, um, since Will Emery came in, I think they've, they've won three, lost three in six matches against teams in the top half. So the three that they lost came against. Liverpool, Manchester City and Arsenal they conceded 10 expected goals in those matches. But those three are statistically the best attacking teams in the league based on expected goals. So ultimately, what I'm saying is that when they played against the three best attacking teams in the league, they conceded an absolute bucket load of chances and got well beaten. The other three they played, which they won, were against Manchester United, Brighton and Tottenham. And while Brighton are improving, they're still not near the levels of the, you know, the aforementioned three in terms of expected goals metric over the course of the season. And in those three matches, Villa conceded just two expected goals in total. Two expected goals in total against those three teams. So basically, they when they play against mediocre top-half teams or you know slightly less lesser top-half teams, they are very competitive. Uh, and Chelsea, they're not anywhere near the, the levels of Liverpool, City and Arsenal when it comes to attacking process. They've averaged just 1.4 expected goals for per game this term. Um, so um, I think Villa can do a job on them. Um, I think that the, you know, that the way in which they set up to defend against United, Brighton, and Tottenham is going to be something they can replicate against Chelsea because Chelsea don't have anywhere near the firepower of an Arsenal, a City, or a Liverpool. So um, you know, you only have to look at recent home matches as well for Chelsea: a draw with Everton, narrow win over Leeds, loss to Southampton, draw with Fulham. To to all you know, think that. I mean, you lost to Southampton. I mean, come on. Um, you, you know, what we've seen there, you've got Fulham, top half, Southampton, bottom, 
Everton in a relegation battle. And Aston Villa are, in my opinion, they're very close to Chelsea's level right now. Yeah. They're not. There's not a massive gulf. So I'm taking Villa on the handicap. Um, the, the line's at plus three quarters. I'm going to drop it to plus, plus a half um, and just go full on Villa to avoid defeat at plus 129. Um, I think it's a real tough game for Chelsea. There's a lot of like about Aston Villa and you're nodding and smiling, which makes me think you're agreeing. Well, same bet, but I'm I'm going to keep it at um, plus 0.75 or plus three quarters. So if Chelsea do win by a goal, um, you get you get half your bet back. Like I'll, I'll just use that for a little insurance because I, I think I think that Villa can win this game outright. I'm actually kind of kicking myself. I'm not just making an outright play on Aston Villa here. Mm. I just too many questions about this Chelsea side. Everything that you said. Um, rings true for me villa being decent and this is my third bet of this podcast it's my third one at a plus number because that 0.75 plus 0.75 on the handicap is coming at plus 101 so you know slightly better than even even money um you know to to come away with a winner or a draw and the insurance of um a little bit of insurance uh, if chelsea wins by a goal i like it I, i was thinking about making a second play do you want to chant it with me? Under. 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 Do, do you think Hell it's yeah. worthwhile under two and a half at minus 107? It crossed my mind. Um, if if we think Villa are going to get a result, I'd expect it to be a low-scoring game, yeah. Um, it's just up to you whether you'd, you know, <laughs> you know, if you want to chance the pair, really. Because at the I'm end of the day, Chelsea I, do win. I prefer the Villa on the handicap. Right? I prefer Villa yeah. on the handicap. Uh, that, that's what I... The, the, the outcome I came to as well, yeah. Okay, so let's leave it at that. Pro Villa. Uh, alignment once again, uh, a, a recurring theme uh, this week. Let's see if it continues uh, for our final game of the feature five, and it's a game that's going to be played on Sunday from St. James's Park, Newcastle United and Manchester United, a battle between fifth and third place teams as this great week of games rolls on. Um, now, both teams... Um, have Spurs sandwiched right in the middle, but both teams have played two fewer games in Tottenham. So it's a big game for both for United, potentially to create some separation for Newcastle. They're just three points back in Manchester United. They can come level with them on the table, potentially leapfrog over Spurs, or at the very least put themselves in very good position with those two games at hand on Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, Newcastle coming off a 2-1 victory on a Friday against Forest. Uh, Isak scored the brace, a late penalty winner, which ruined my bet on that day. Thank you very much. 90 plus three. Um, and back-to-back 2-1 wins for Newcastle as well. They haven't picked up a clean sheet in their last eight, and they played under the two-and-a-half goal total in five of their last seven games, and they've been the first concede in five of six. Their home record's excellent. They've only dropped one. They went down to 10 men against Liverpool. That's it, 7-5-1. and one. Their 16.3 expected goal differential, according to InfoGoal, is third best in the Premier League. Almiron is out for Newcastle and a number of diff- other players have question marks around them. Jolinton comes back to the team after serving his suspension. For Manchester United, coming off a 3-1 win over Fulham in the Cup, they had a 1-0 away win against Real Betis in the Europa League and all that. I mean, their last game of the Premier League seems like ages ago. Goalless draw against Southampton. No Casemiro still out for three more games. Oh my gosh. Uh, six, two, and five away from home or Manchester United. The fourth most away points, but 17 goals scored and 27 conceded. I mean, you can thank the Liverpool result to that, but their away form hasn't been great. They've been dominant at Old Trafford. Away, shaky at times. Minus 3.7 in terms of expected goal differential. Not only Casemiro's missing, Garnacho is out through injury. Sabitzer was injured away on international duty as well. Uh, head-to-head, United beat Newcastle 2-0 in the Carabao Cup final. Uh, played to a 0-0 draw at Old Trafford in a very you know low-event game just how Newcastle wanted it. United haven't lost to Newcastle in their last seven. Both teams to score actually has played in five of seven. So a big game here. Which United are you leaning towards, Newcastle or Manchester? I'm definitely leaning towards Newcastle. 
Definitely, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, this might be my second favorite bet of the week. Wow. I yeah, I just think that this one is I think it's priced up wrong. I think Newcastle should be shorter to win this, given everything you've said, the players that are missing, the records, etc. But when you dig into the data, it becomes even more apparent why we've got to just side with the Newcastle. Um, you know, first of all, like they had a, a brief wobble, but it, was it really a wobble? I mean, they lost to Liverpool and Manchester City. And then prior to that, it was just an issue of converting chances. They were creating them, they just didn't put them away. So, you know, the performances have stayed at a very high level throughout. Um, the only issues were that Man City game, that Liverpool game. Um, and they've been absolutely sensational at St. James's Park. They've won seven of 13, they've lost just once. But the underlying process actually suggests they've played better than those results. So if you look at expected goal difference per game when playing at home, Manchester City obviously sit top, plus 1.63. Liverpool second at plus 1.27. Then Newcastle third at plus 1.26. So ahead of Arsenal, ahead of Brighton, ahead of Man United. So effectively, the data suggests or says that Newcastle are or have been the third best home team in the Premier League this season. Now, on the flip side, <clears throat> Manchester United are much worse uh, when travelling than the results actually indicate. They've collected the fourth most away points, yet have the 10th best XG process. Um, now, the caveat to that, obviously, is that they were smacked in all three matches against Liverpool, Arsenal and Manchester City. But I'm going to bounce back and, and attack that caveat because what I've just read out there about Newcastle's expected goal difference per home game suggests that they're in that class. They are They are performing at the level of Arsenal, Liverpool and Manchester City. Um, so in those matches, United lost 16-5 on aggregate. The XG aggregate was 10-3, to so they weren't even close. Um, so in short, when they travel to face better teams in the league, they've been comfortably second best. Um, there's added motivation for Newcastle to win because they can leapfrog United. They want some revenge from the Carabao Cup. Um, and they are generally one of the, the best home teams in the league. So there's a lot of things that I really like and that point to a Newcastle win. Uh, the line's actually shortened a bit on Newcastle. Um, the plus, the handicap was at plus naught. It shifted to minus 0.25. Um, so I'm just going to take Newcastle to win at plus 144. I think uh, I, that's a, I'm, I'm more than happy to take that um, as a bet. No Casemiro is a huge issue for me. Um, Isak looks in really good form. He looks sharp. Uh, I think he'll cause all sorts of problems for. United's back line. There's question marks about Varane as well, which could be huge um, if he's unavailable. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm all over Newcastle and I'm looking at your wow. face and I think that you're going to take I an just, opposite stance, are you? I, I, this is where, you know, the data, you're, you're spot on. I just think United are a better team. I just, I just like player for player. And I think it played out in the Carabao cup. I think it played out the, in the first game that this team played when uh, these two teams played when United were still finding their way, they have far more attacking threats in their, in, in their team. And they've proven themselves in every competition that they played in going away from home. And it might be, they can play a little bit more scrappy. They can play it in different ways. I think that some players coming back being fresh for the first time this season will, will certainly help. Rashford needed some time, no matter what the press said, um, and ended up saying, uh, "Yes, Casemiro is a loss, but I, I think there's enough in this team for a game for a game like this to go in and play combative football." I think this game actually is draw written all over it, and I've actually draw considered castle. make uh, it's draw castle. I mean, th that's what they do. No one draws in the Premier League more than that, but. Actually, Brentford do. Are they are they are they level Brentford. on draws or what? No, Brentford overtook them last the last time. They've got twelve and they draws. Run one. So they are right. They are no no longer draw castle. Brentford twelve draws uh, from <laughs> yeah. twenty seven. Newcastle eleven draws from twenty six. So they could be twelve draws on twenty seven. Could tie it up. At, at plus two four two fifty four. I considered it, but instead, I think United can win this game outright. So give me United draw no bet. At my fourth plus number in four games this podcast at plus one seventeen, um, and if it's a draw, you get your money back. I think it's going to be competitive. I think a draw suits both teams. To be honest with you, United aren't catching Arsenal City. They just need to cement that 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 Champions League spot for next season. 
Newcastle with, with with what's going on at Spurs and with the games in hand, I think a draw will suit them as well. So I think that that's the most probable result. I wouldn't try to talk anyone out of making a draw bet at plus 254 here, but instead United draw no bet at plus 117 because they're the better team with better players. So simply put. Um, I disagree. I don't think they're the better team, um, wow. especially with really? Casemiro not there. Yeah, really? I, I, that, McFred and, um, well, yeah, McFred in the midfield is a problem for me. I'd take Joe Linton and Guimaraesh over that midfield all day long. Um, I, I honestly think that United will struggle to get out because I think the press of Newcastle will catch them out. McFred, neither of them are very good when under pressure. They don't like receiving the ball in the half turn and having to turn to progress the ball up the pitch. I think it's going to be hugely problematic but a game for, like, uh, for Man United. In a game like this, they, they drop Bruno Fernandes deeper to, to play that role. And you've, and you've seen them play different variations to cover up for some of their some of the flaws in those players. Interestingly enough, McTominay's been linked to Newcastle United. He's coming off a two-goal performance against Spain. I, look, 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 I just... You know, I, I'm not blown away by Newcastle. They, they've done really well this year. S- progress steps in the right direction. Almiron was on incredible form earlier in the season. A little bit of a loss. Like, the attack does not look the same as it did earlier this season. And they started to leak goals on a regular basis as well. So I, I think there could be goals in this game as well, to be honest. If there's one, I think there's two, three. They follow. We'll just see how this game starts because I do think a draw plays in the favor of both teams. So. Our, our first kind of head-to-head coming mm. out of the inter- international window. Kinda. I didn't go Kinda. all the way in. So I'm not sure if we can put this one up, actually up on the board as Jake tries to make up his deficit against me uh, over the course of this Only season. one game back. Let's go rapid fire the rest of the weekend. Bournemouth and Fulham. No Mitrovic and Willian. They lost their heads in the FA Cup. Uh, against Manchester United, both suspended. D- does that lead you to make it, making a play one way or the other in this game? Um, it had me leaning towards Bournemouth um, on the handicap, but the the the, the lines moved in favour of Bournemouth, so I'm happy to leave that alone. No bet. I'm going. I I like Bournemouth. I think they've been playing. I'm not going to let that Aston Villa game change the way I look at them. They're playing at home. They played very well at home. They beat Liverpool. They they drew Newcastle. Mitrovic and Willian are two big losses for this Fulham side. I think they'll set out to play for a draw. Give me Bournemouth draw no bet at minus 111. Um, again, just covering my ass just in case, uh, you know, uh, but the, the Bournemouth come away with an out with, you know, I still think that they can come out with an outright win, but it covers it in case they come away with the draw in this game. Nottingham Forest and Wolves. What do you think here? Um, I've got a small bet on over two and a half goals, which is not the kind of bet that you'd think when you think of Nottingham Forest and Wolves, but it's a bet that's landed in uh, all four, all of the Forest's last four. It's landed in four of seven away from home for Wolves since Lopetegui took over. I mentioned at the top of the show about Forest's defensive process, how bad it's been recently, shifting nearly 2.4 expected goals against per game. Wolves have shipped 1.8 expected goals against when playing away from home. So, um, you know, we know six pointers, they can go either way. It can be really open because both teams want to win. It can be really cagey because both teams don't want to lose. But we've seen Wolves playing five of these matches under Lopetegui and three of them have gone over two and a half. So, you know, it, it, it's 50-50 if you like. It, it, this this could be the one that goes under to level that up 50-50. But I just think, you know, you look at Forest overall at home, um, they've their games at home have averaged three expected goals per game. So all we need is that, basically. We just need... Both teams to contribute to a three expected goal game and, and just a couple of players take chances. So plus 144 was the price. Uh, I just thought it was a little bit big. Forest have 15 players that are listed as being some kind of injury question mark. 15, including Brennan Johnson, who I think is the most important important of the bunch really they have got a squad team. of 106 though so they're okay they they, they do <laughs> they they can still play an inter-squad game here um <laughs> look both these teams are dreadful in terms of their attacking processes aren't they honestly both teams have scored no at minus 117 for your sake maybe someone three comes nil. with a three nil <laughs> But both teams have scored no at minus 117. Uh, Crystal Palace, Roy Hodgson. Oh, my. Like, 
man, it's good for the environment, Crystal Palace, because they continue to recycle this poor old man. Roy Hodgson is back. <laughs> uh, they take on Leicester City. What do you make of this one? Oh, this is... I wrestled with this one quite a bit. I think I think Leicester are the better team. Um, uh, it just they just they're just too inconsistent for me to go all, all in and back them uh, to win. They're a big price at plus one ninety eight. Um, yeah, I don't know if I can trust Leicester. Even the draw no bet at plus one ten was appealing to me. Well, just that's because my I bet. Just think that, that, that's, that's my bet. bet, and 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 I'm making that play because it looks like or it sounds like is trending for Leicester City to basically get their entire first choice back line back intact, which which is huge for this team. When they struggle, it's because defensively the flaws are there, but it looks like everyone's going to be back in and that makes them the better team here. Um, I think this one could end in a draw as well, to be honest with you. I have a lot of draw no bet plays this week just in case. Um, I feel like a little bit of a coward, but all these are coming in at plus numbers. At plus 110, um, that's a play I'm happy to make. Yeah, um, I, I, I might join you on that. I did have both teams to score no down as my play, but just the way, you know, like I said at the start when doing the relegation run through, Leicester's performances have been good. They've just been a little bit unfortunate. So they've won the XG battle in all three of them, or all of the last three matches, and they're winless. Um, Defences, it's not been great, but it is improving again. 1.0 expected goals against per game in the last four matches, which includes Arsenal, uh, Chelsea, and Brentford. There's, you know, like Arsenal and Brentford are probably two of the better attacking teams in the league in terms of top eight. Um, obviously, Chelsea just under that, but it kind of shows that they are trending in a positive direction, Leicester. And Crystal Palace, like, well, it, is Roy Hodgson going to really turn them into an attack-minded team? And, no. You know, he's, he's going to be the opposite. He's going to make them even more just in, no. Uh, that's yeah. no. So, yeah, that, that was why I was leaning towards both teams to score. No, um, Palace struggling in attack, Leicester looking better at the back. But um, yeah, just in case, I'll, I'll go with Leicester plus naught on the handicap as well. Uh, was, Hodgson, I, I was leaning that way. Why is Hodgson doing this to himself? He doesn't need the cash, does he? Like, I just, I don't even, I I, I don't understand. I, I know you love the club. He's, he's done a job before, but uh, man, real problems for Crystal Palace. Um, let's carry on West Ham against Southampton 18th versus 19th place. I'm predicting goals. I like over two and a half at plus one Oh eight. I think it could be a, a game where it's like a three nil West Ham. You know, I, I, I really, I have a difficult time watching Southampton. They're a very difficult watch and it's a game where I think that West Ham have to come out and assert themselves. So I'll go over the total because Southampton can, can score goals. That isn't the problem. It's just defensively. They always concede. Yeah, I'm. I probably have the opposite. I probably would get would side with the unders, but my bet really? is um, my bet is West Ham to win to nil, which is a biggish price at plus one eighty seven. A little bit more speculative. Um, there is, you know, there's method to the madness, um, as they say. They they they've been decent at home, West Ham. They've won two and drawn two of the last four matches. Um, but quite importantly, they've beaten both relegation rivals they yeah. played in that time very convincingly. Don't don't, um, don't don't you think don't you think of like West Ham, Nottingham Forest four 0 when it comes to this exactly, game? I, yeah. That's a game that came to mind in this. They beat Everton two 0 They beat Bournemouth two 0 Um, yeah, they, they've won four of six against teams currently in and around them. They've averaged one point six expected goals for 0.9 expected goals against per game in those matches. So they've been, you know, the supremacy level has been very high in their favour. Um, and Southampton, as I said at the start, they've. The results have been okay, but the performances have been poor. They've really struggled to create chances, bar that Spurs match, which really looks like a, a bit of an anomaly. So prior to that, they'd, they'd average just 0.8 expected goals for per game in the in the five matches um, before that Spurs game. So yeah, it, they they're currently not mixing up a very good recipe um, at St Mary's, and and I think that West Ham will show their class on Sunday. And and Winter Nil just look big, to be honest. They're very very. Very appetizing plus number. And finally, we have Monday Night Football this week. Everton against Spurs. Conte is out. What does this all mean, Jake? Break it down for us. Um, It all means that Tottenham are going to finish in the Conference League place. (laughs) Very punchy of me, I know. Um, But yeah. (laughs) I've been telling you that all season long, haven't I? To To be fair. I was just waiting for you to go dot, dot, dot. Wheeler, you were right all along. That's it. 
Uh, yeah, there's still time. Um, I, I, I would fancy them more to finish in the top four if Conte was there, I'll be honest, rather than his assistant. But um, yeah, ultimately, since the restart, I don't know what's what happened during the World Cup, uh, during the World Cup break. But before that, Spurs were performing like a top four team. Since that, they've been performing like a near bottom half team. So the new guy, uh, his assistant, Stellini, is going to have a huge job on his hands, really, because he's got teams looking over the shoulder. You've got Brighton, who have, since the restart, performed like the third best team in the league based on XG. Liverpool, who, yeah, they're, they're sporadic, but they, especially the home form, could see them rack up quite a few points. And Newcastle performing very, very high levels as well. So, um, yeah, if they don't book their ideas up Spurs and really improve on the pitch, on the spreadsheets, then they will be overtaken by one, two, maybe even all three of those teams. Uh, I might even mention Brentford as well, who are kind of within touching distance. So, um, yeah, ultimately, they've not been performing at a level that's good enough to work, you know, that's top four worthy. So if you carry on in that manner, then they won't finish in the top four, ultimately. Uh, very yeah, tough game as well, Monday. Like Stellini, like you, you keep an assistant. We, we saw Southampton do the same thing. The side when they sacked their manager, Ryan Mason, like Pochettino, like isn't there someone, someone like this is supposed to be a big club? With all the mm-hmm. resources, like how they they end up here this way. It's just very disheartening if you're a Spurs fan. Big time, yeah. You know, like Stellini's been Conte's assistant since 2011. So, you know, he's basically worked with, he's had one other job, which was in Serie C, working as the, the manager of Alessandria. And, you know, he's he's not known anything other than Conte. He's not known anything other than Conte football. So effectively, Tottenham have just got rid of Conte and replaced him with Conte version number two, um, which means that the I, I, I fully expect the style of football to be the same. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he's still working them as hard in the background as well, because he's from that same kind of um, mindset, that same coaching tree. So, yeah, it was a really bizarre one just to get rid of, you know, the the, the kind of genius behind all of the previous title successes he's had at Inter, Juventus, Chelsea, um, and replacing with a, an assistant who has the same kind of ideals, but is unproven so well Everton's replacement was much better than the predecessor Deitch has come in just a bit like so what what do you make of this game on Monday yeah I I fully expect Everton to get a result yeah um I I I, you know I I think the the market kind of reflected in that as well because you know we're seeing Spurs at plus 124 but if it was a you know, if this was last season, for example, last season Spurs side, they probably would be odds on because they were playing really well at the back end of the campaign. And it just kind of shows you how far they've fallen. But I still think there's some juice in Everton, um, in, in Everton's prices, really. I, I was looking at Everton plus naught, at pl- yeah. at plus 147. Um, That's, going big. That's my play. Th- yeah. Same thing. That's a big number. It's a big number. It's a team that's won three out of four home matches, including beating Brentford and Arsenal, two teams that I, you know, well, Arsenal definitely are better than Spurs and Brentford have, since the restart, they've been better than Spurs as well, according to results and, and data. So um, they've shown what they're capable of. And, and as I said at the top of the show, Everton are one of the teams that have shown from the relegation battle that they can create chances. And if you can create chances and score goals, you're going to win matches and you're going to climb to safety. Um, Spurs away from home, concede loads of chances. Uh, they don't create anywhere near enough either. So I wouldn't be surprised to see a, a fourth 1-0 win at Goodison Park for Sean Dyche's side. Um, 1-0 to the Everton. But yeah, I, I'm happy to just take the plus, the you know, the draw no bet effectively on the handicap. Money back if, they, if it ends all square, which I wouldn't be surprised if it was 0-0, for example. Does that kind of comes into the head? And yeah, it, it seems like a, a kind of a weekend for the outsiders. On that, on that specific handicap, because I think there's quite a lot of teams that are second favourites that perhaps shouldn't be as as far away in terms of the betting. Yeah, it's my third draw no bet game this weekend. It's just, and then I have Brentford and Aston Villa as outsiders as well. It's just, it seems like it's one of those weekends coming off an international break. Teams that are close in the table playing one another, it comes down to the data and what you think of those sides, like whether they are where they're supposed to be and how they fare against teams that are in a very similar position in the table. So it's wrapped up in intrigue. It's wild. Seven of my bets this week are on plus money. 
as well. That, that's got to be a first on this podcast. So this weekend, it might be, you know, champagne and caviar. Or <laughs> after this weekend, I might be going back to craft dinner. I'm, I'm not sure the way that it's going to work out. Let's hope for the prior rather than the latter. Uh, anything else, Jake? Just what is your favorite bet? What's your best bet? If you had to pick one. Do you want to go first? <laughs> I actually. <laughs> You've got that many. Circle like. that this, yeah, I got a lot of plays this week. Yeah. My, mine would be Arsenal on the handicap against Leeds. Wow. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm most confident about Arsenal covering. I, I think it, oh, it might sound foolish. Like. You're going to say Man United, aren't you? I was thinking about saying Manchester United. I like. I like the. <laughs> if you say Man United, I, I, I like we'll a, make it an I like official head, my, to head I like that game. I like United draw no bet. I like Aston Villa on the handicap this weekend at plus money. I really like that one. Um, I also like Bournemouth the draw no bet against Fulham, missing two real key players in that team. So, um, pick one of those three. Th- throw Everton. <laughs> in there as well I, I, I all my bets are great this week you know tail wheeler and uh should be a fun and happy weekend for everyone involved uh it's major season in the golf world major talk masters betting preview with sophie walker james greg and brian brian nicholson is out and upcoming the return of the ucl betting blueprint uh, Jake, uh, Andrew Beasley, and I will break down your final eight in the, the Champions League and whether Jake's prohibitive favorite in Bayern Munich, whether his outlook has changed after Julian Nagelsmann is out and Thomas Tuchel is in and a real intriguing draw as well. So plenty to break down. You can look forward to that next week as well. As always, odds were correct at the time of recording and please gamble responsibly. Best of luck. Enjoy this weekend. And it's great to be back, Jake. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully, hopefully some nice winners to go along with it. At Jake Oz with two Zs on Twitter at Gareth Wheeler as well. This has been EPL Insights for Game Week 29 uh, with data provided by InfoGoal right here, courtesy of Pinnacle. <laughs>